And well, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm Caitlin. Um, I'm a primary school teacher, and I'm very glad to say it's just one more week before the summer holidays start. <laughs> Woohoo, we're nearly there. Um, so, if you were about last week, you may have picked up that we've had a slight change to our program about Acts. Um, it's been a wonderful series, seeing a young church in action. Um, so, this, has, this change has left me to wrap up our series with a nice, easy brief. I joke. Um, I found this breach a real challenge, um, but a good challenge. And as this talk unfolds, we will see how God uses relational networks to equip, train, and release his church. And I've seen some of that in action. So a big thank you to Rick, um, who has supported with this talk, and I would appreciate your prayers as we go through the next 20 minutes or so together. So this morning, we're going to look um, at some of Acts together, Acts chapter 15. And we have three questions this morning. And by the end of it, I hope that not only you'll be able to answer them, but also grow in faith for them and join God in how we may be answering them in and with you. So my prayer is that we will see how the early church broke new ground in how God brought order to a naturally chaotic period of growth. We will uncover how the early church almost invented a relational network to support its growth of the church. So our first question then is what is a relational network? From this, my prayer is that we will see that God gifted the early church people to train, equip and release other people. So our second question is how can we import or welcome in people that God has gifted? Then finally, um, I hope that we will see that God gifted the early church with principles for how to grow together so that others can be welcomed in. So our final question is how can we export or send out people that God has gifted? As I was preparing for this talk, I kept thinking about a lesson that I had taught earlier this half term, and it's gonna appeal to the geographers in the room. Uh, our geography lesson at school um, was teaching the children all about trade. So the children were given a country, resources, and materials uh, to trade with each other. They had to consider what they needed to import, what they needed to bring into their country, and then what they needed to export, what they could send to another country for money fake money. Um, we're going to use this geography lesson to help us explore Acts 15 together this morning and answer our three questions. So firstly, like any good geography lesson would, we're going to start with a map. Um, our map on the screen, hopefully you can see it, um, will provide some context um, before we read Acts 15 together this morning. So we've got two key places today, two key cities, Antioch and Jerusalem. Antioch is in the north. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It was a cosmopolitan city, which was known as the Queen of the East. Um, it was the first city where Gentiles, people who were not born Jewish, were evangelized to. Whereas Jerusalem, which is further south, had a rich history of being a special place to the Jewish people. Throughout the Bible, it's often used as an image for what a city should be like, a place where God is served, worshipped and loved. It was established by David uh, to be the home of God. However, as the story unfolds, this city continues to be a home for the Jewish people, but doesn't always live out um, and live for God in the way that it can. So in Acts 15, we're given a clear example of how the early church was breaking new ground in how to grow together. God's good news and church has spread widely. Looking at our map, we have about 300 miles between just Antioch and Jerusalem alone. 
It was a naturally chaotic time of growth, and the early church sought how to bring godly order to the challenges that often arise in times of growth. In doing this, they provide us now with some guiding principles for how we can grow as a church family, as CCL, but also how we fit into God's wider church family. Not that this is the only way, but it's one set of guiding principles. So why don't we read the Bible together? If you've got um, a Bible or a phone in front of you, get it open to Acts 15, verse 1, but it's also going to come up on the screen if you don't have it in front of you. So that's Acts chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. It says, Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed among with, along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they travelled through... Oh, see, I looked at this earlier on, I had to say this city name. Von, Mark, I feel like you're going to know the answer to this. Phoenicia, that's it, thank you. So as they travelled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted by them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and for them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. So, we see in these verses that on one side, the certain people are insisting that all new Gentiles people who were not born Jewish, um, that are becoming Christians, had to be circumcised, that they had to adopt the regulations of the Jewish faith. These were important to Jewish people because they were given by God as his identifying mark that they were from his family. Then we have on the other side, we have Peter and Paul amongst others saying that they've already had this debate. Read Acts um, chapter 10 with Cornelius if you want to dig deeper into that. They had already settled that God had granted Gentiles too with forgiveness for sins without them needing to be circumcised. The regulations of the Jewish faith could not be fulfilled by sinful people. They are fulfilled by and in Christ. So, what do they do? How do they grow as a united church family? What, what, what they do answers our first question this morning. What is a relational network? So to begin with, they listened to each other. Each side of the debate provided their statements um, for the gathering of people there. They valued each other and recognized that God had made them into a family. 
They listened because they were united in love for each other. Throughout Acts, you really get the impression that these guys loved each other because of God's great love for them, even in challenging times when they didn't agree with each other. Then not only did they listen to each other, they listened to the Holy Spirit. The whole assembly discussed, prayed, and listened to the Holy Spirit. By verse 28, they're able to say their decision seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They joined in love together to seek what God wanted over their growth and decision-making. They sought godly wisdom together. They set aside what they held as right and listened for what God had to say because he knows the best course of action. They did this united together, joined by heart and by prayer. You see, a relational network is a joining of hearts for God's heart. Just go back, there you go. It's difficult to put your finger on sometimes because it's more than a friendship. It's when God builds community which is bound together in love for him and for his mission. A network of people that listen to each other and to the Holy Spirit. That its highest principle is to seek God and build together, joining God in what he is already doing. A relational network is a connection between God's people, which is joining hearts for his mission, direction, and godly order. To give you an example of this, for me, I joined CCL five years ago, which is crazy how quickly time goes. Um, CCL was not my usual background of church, and I'm so grateful uh, to God and how he has grown me to flourish in him because of that. So to give you an example of a relational network, it would be my relationships at CCL, specifically to Rich and Kate. Um, Not only have they supported me during challenging times, they have mentored me, trained, equipped, and released me. We have shared faith for what God can do, and he's joined our hearts uh, for his mission in Leeds and beyond. Each conversation I have with them, especially when we get into what God is currently doing, I feel a rising of faith and excitement for living this adventure with God. My relational network with them is a connection which has a flow of life and a feeling of synergy. I'm gonna hand over to you for two minutes. I would like you to think about who God has joined your heart to. Who has God already put in your life as part of your relational network? Who in God's family do you have a connection with that gives you faith for God's mission, direction, and godly order over your life? And I'll give you a couple of minutes, and you may like to do a little mind map, if you've got your phone out, get your notes pages out, and just spend a minute or two thinking about who your relational network is. If you're not sure, spend the next two minutes praying about it. Ask God who he may like to connect you with, and I'm going to leave you. For a scary two minutes for me, but hopefully a powerful two minutes for you.
Great, we're going to come back together. I hope that's a starting place. Don't feel like you've got to answer that question right away today. Take it away with you. Um, but as we come back together, we're going to return to my geography lesson. So in my geography lesson, the children had to think about what goods they needed to import to their country. They had to think about what resources and materials they already had and then what they needed to best support their country. There are some similar principles for the early church and for us. We're going to think about our next question now, which is, how can we import people that God has gifted? In Acts chapter 15, the group of people considering this debate about whether Gentiles needed to become Jewish by circumcision and following the regulations of the Jewish faith before becoming Christians, they needed a decision. They listened to each other, they listened to the Holy Spirit, and then God moved. In verse 13, James spoke up. Firstly, James was part of the relational network. He had a connection, a joining of hearts with God's people there. He acts as a chairman because he was well-respected there. He was a leader. In Galatians, he's described as a pillar of the church family. So he spoke up and made clear that God has chosen to speak the gospel to the Gentiles through Peter. The Gentiles had clearly received the Holy Spirit and James reaffirmed that the Jews had never been able to live up to the regulations of the Jewish faith. They all needed Jesus. So therefore, he made some practical suggestions about what they could do to navigate this together. He offers a double principle of no needful circumcision on one hand and no needless offence on the other. What I mean by no needful circumcision is that the Gentiles did not need to be circumcised to become Jewish to be Christians. They can become Christians by repenting their sins and believing in Jesus. I felt this morning as I was praying into this talk that there was something in this for us at CCL. That there's not something that we need to do first or achieve first before we can become Christians or embrace the giftings that God has given us. This may be that you didn't need to grow up in a Christian family or be in a relationship, be married, get a degree to start embracing who God has made you to be. If that resonates with you, let that settle in your heart and maybe note it down and come back to it later to reflect on. So going back to James's practical suggestions, he also referred to no needless offence. At that time, in every city and town, there would have been Jewish inhabitants, or at the very least, people who were familiar uh, with Jewish practices. So if the Christians there claimed that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament and the need for Jewish regulations, it would be puzzling to live in a way which directly contradicted Jewish tradition and offended those who held those regulations in high esteem. Therefore, it would be helpful um, to not contradict them in some of the most obvious ways to them. So to keep well away from pagan temples and everything that went on in them. What's being described here is not a blueprint for growth, but guiding principles of love and seeking God's good direction. The early church collaboratively made a decision which was clearly communicated. They were able to do this largely because of James. God had placed him in that place and he almost was imported in for this job. They would have been lacking without his leadership gifting and place in that relational network. 
Acts 15 gives us another guiding principle to answer this second question for us this morning. These may be people that are part of our church family already and need equipping, training and releasing to see a gift that God has given them to flourish. This may be people who are not part of CCL but carry a gift that God has given them. That they also carry something that joins them with us in heart for God. If we think back to the beginning of this year, Mike Beaumont joined us and carried with him something prophetic in his message of we, not me. And that may ring a bell with some of us. And I think for a lot of us, we've carried that with us throughout this year. We almost imported Mike with his God-given gifting to spur us on, joining with the Holy Spirit and with our hearts. Um, we're going to pause for two minutes and this time pray with each other. Let's spend two minutes praying with the person next to us about how God may be looking to import. Who God is pouring gifts into that is ready to flourish, that they would be equipped, trained and released. Who God may like us to import to join in heart with us. So let's pray for our leadership team that they may have wisdom about who to import in to join hearts with. That's up on the screen for you but just spend two minutes praying with the person next to you.
Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can come to you and with all those prayers, we pray that we would lift them up, that you would give wisdom to our leadership team. Um, as we have different training things on the horizon, would we see the gifts that you've given people flourish? As we think about um, how we can import people in, would you give wisdom into those decisions? Amen. Amen. Grand, all right. My final part of my geography lesson um, was all about exporting. The children in my class um, couldn't just importing and storing all of their resources. They had to consider um, what they'd be willing to part with, willing to trade for the benefit of their country. For the early church, they joined God in his mission of sharing his good news throughout the world. We still share in that mission. And so we must consider how we don't just store up all of our gifts, um, but instead send people out for God's mission. Which brings us to our final question. How can we export or send out people that God has gifted? So in Acts chapter 15, they carry with them the decision and they have collaboratively made together, not just in their hearts, but by means of a letter in verses 22 to 35. Then in the rest of Acts, we see Paul and Silas revisit places in Asia Minor, Barnabas and John Mark sailing to Cyprus. Paul and Silas visit many other places, later crossing into Europe from Macedonia, going to cities like Athens and Corinth. And that's only a summary of Paul's second set of journeys after Acts chapter 15. The point is, is that God's church grows and goes. Relational networks are formed, hearts are joined for God and for his mission, and a flow of importing and exporting happens. In this, we see Jesus' Jesus's freedom come to new cities and people come to know true life in Jesus. God's family is added to and God's love unites. The early churches did not hold on to their best leaders, preachers and pastors and so on. Paul being one of them, they did not and stay, he did not stay in one church. They were willing to release him into what God had in store next for him. As we think about CCL, we can see how we've benefited from Oxford Community Church being willing to release Kate and Rich to start our church in Leeds. They exported people that God had clearly gifted for God's mission in a city which is rife with poverty, societal poverty and spiritual. Other leaders have played an influential role in joining God in what he is doing in Leeds and seeing CCL grow. As we've grown, we've been added to and leadership has grown. Then as we continue to grow, we are now in an exciting place to multiply more as a hub here in Notre Dame, but also across our city. This pioneering essence allows us to export our best, to sow seeds in other settings around our city. We can be tempted to keep our best here, um, but it's in this time that we need to trust God for what may be coming on the horizon that he may have in store to see his freedom known across our city, even beyond our city in the years to come. It's exciting and as a church, we can grow and go like the early church, be ready to train, equip and release people of giftings ready for God's mission. So as we come to a close this morning, our third question is one for you to answer, um, possibly in some response time now, this week, in your community groups, in your mentoring relationships. How can we export people that God has gifted? 
how can you play a part at CCL to have your giftings equipped, trained and released? As CCL grows, how can we release our best to sow seeds in other settings in our city and maybe even further afield? I'll hand back to Rich with that. Wonderful.